I'm Laura Youngkin of The Brave Millennial. This is Lars Helgeson, CEO of GreenRope and author of CRM for Dummies. I'm Allison Bloom-Festock, the founder and CEO of Know Your Crew. This is Brad Van Dam, president and CEO of Marge Confectionery. And you're listening to High Level Wisdom for New Generation Theater. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode. Episode 24, High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. Now, today's show, we're going to be talking to somebody who's... Uh, got a very unique background and not only worked in different companies and hustled his way up, but he went from a one man shop to a seven figure company and even made a sale, which you'll hear about in this interview of worth of a billion dollars. Yeah. With a B, you know, a B (laughs) that's correct. I'm talking about the creator and founder of rip media group. It's a collection of award-winning storytellers. They have people from the Producers Guild of America, Writers Guild, Screen Actors Guild. They are writers who help companies tell better stories. You're going to learn all about how this company was built. And the man at the helm is really somebody who has a very interesting journey. I'm talking about the CEO, Mari Regal. This gentleman is fascinating. And he's going to talk to us all about what his journey was like, what fascinates him, uh, why he feels leveraging millennials is actually a good thing. Some of his ideas, some of his perspectives, and more importantly, he's going to give you insider tips on what things you can do to really uh, continue to grow throughout your career. And he's going to talk about his struggles, his life and his growth. But I do not want to take away from this. So here's my interview with Mari Regal, the CEO of Rip Media. Take a listen. Mari, how are you today? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for having me here. This is very exciting. Absolutely. So, so listen, I don't want to spoil the fun. I don't want to take all of the energy out of this. Here's <laughs> what I would like for you to do. I'd like for you to share with our audience, share with them your background. How, how did you get started? Where, where, where were you, you know, where were you when you were younger <laughs> and, and right. how did you get to this place of owning such a dynamic media group and share with them a little bit about really what the focus is and of this media group. And, and you have a, you have an incredible story about how you even got here in the first place. And so I'm, I'm just excited for our audience to be able to hear it. Yeah. Well, I could go on for a while. I'll, I'll give you the short version and uh, how about you have me expand if you want to. So um, you know, the, the quick version is I, I live nowhere near Hollywood, California. I live right in the middle of, uh, you know, West Hollywood and our office is in the middle of Hollywood. So I really, you know, as a kid, you know, the first thing I saw was, uh, you know, was TV and film. And I absolutely was, you know, I was one of those kids that was just, in, just entranced, just wanted to know how they did it, wanted to be an actor, wanted to be a comedian, wanted to produce, wanted to create had no idea how to do it. I and mean, the whole thing was very mythical to me. So, um, you know, I, you know, I kind of went on my life and I put that in the side because, you know, being a kid from, from Pittsburgh just didn't seem like the kind of, you know, future that I would have as I kind of grew up. And I, you know, when, you know, I wrestled and I was karate, you know, this kind of stuff. And Pittsburgh's a tough town. So, you know, at least at that time, it certainly was, it was all steel workers and, and that kind of thing. So this Hollywood thing just, you know, kind of just, you know, floated away. And I got myself into a, a career, and I think you're going to love this. I think you're going to love this story because this was really the turning point. So, after a couple of moves, I, you know, went to a you know corporate training program, and I and I left a big, big company um, to go to a tiny startup because I thought that'd be a lot more exciting. And we were killing it. You know, it was. I mean, I, this was the you know kind of late '90s, and we were doing really, really well. We had a completely disruptive product in the marketplace. Very, very hard to describe what we did, 
but you know the result of it was we could save companies millions of dollars if they enabled our uh, our software. It was kind of the beginning of the CRM, which everybody uses now, from Salesforce to you know all the others out there. So we're in this real disruptive space, and it looks like we're about to get acquired. So rumors going through, you know, we actually get flown out. We're in this big you know convention hall. They have. And I was one of maybe, I think, uh, 30 people when I joined the company, very, very young. wasn't even sure they were going to survive. By the time we got that acquisition offer about three and a half years later, I had flown all over the country, been in so many cities. I'm in my young 20s. It was just exciting. I mean, it couldn't be more exciting. All of a sudden, we're going to be purchased. And uh, so we're having a party. And, you know, and basically, you know, we have, we have food, we have drinks. I mean, we're going to get this big announcement. We think we're going to be purchased for you know, upwards of a billion dollars. And this, this could be amazing to all the initial people that were there, right? So we get a guy that's going to come into the room. It looks like he's going to be our new leader, right? Leader of the division. He walks in the room. He's going to say a few inspiring words. So we're pretty excited. This is great, right? All, all good news. Sure. <laughs> guy walks in the room. Yeah, right? I mean, this is, you know, the, the first people with stock options, I mean, they're going to become millionaires. So it's exciting. Guy walks in, and it's like it's like the air is sucked out of the room. The mood completely changes because this guy walks out, sees the microphone standing there, walks right past it. He just stares at us, like his eyes were just dark and black, like a shark's. You know how they're emotionless, you know the right. shark killer. <laughs> just like looks around at us, and it was just it was very odd. Like a fork drops, you could hear it. What's going on? He goes, yeah. I got three things to say to you. First, you've done nothing for me and you've done nothing for the new company. Second, you don't meet your quota. You don't exceed the goals that we put in front of you. I will fire you. Third, you managers out there think you're safe. I got something for you too. I'll fire you too. Your teams have to succeed. And all that was written on a little napkin that he had in his right hand. He crumples it up in a ball. He drops it to the floor. And he leaves. And we're all just standing there just in shock. What? We thought this was going to be, <laughs> hey, right? <laughs> what? What just happened? I look around. I see one guy. There's a bead of sweat on his forehead coming down. We all felt kind of queasy. Did that really just happen? And there's a few people in the room that had just been hired by that guy. So I went straight over to one of them and said, is he coming back in? Is that a joke? That is not a joke. That's how the man operates. And it was real. He fired three people that week, and we were off to the races. Wow. So, here, yeah, that, that, was, that was the start of this new career, all right? I, I'm just out of curiosity. Any, any impressions? What would you do if that happened to you after this? You think this big, exciting event's coming. Yeah, I think after that moment, I would probably be afraid for my life and wondering, can I even do this now after all of the air is sucked out of the room? Wondering what happened to the announcement about all the money I was supposed to make. <laughs> right, exactly. exactly. That's great. I felt exactly the same way. So it was it was kind of, a you know, so we were scared. And what happened was and I found out later and honestly, I'm still in touch with this guy. He scared the he scared the living daylights out. And everybody in that room. Now, I've been in touch with him, and I just, honestly, I just spoke with him a few months ago, because I just, I told this story just recently, and I was like, I wonder how he's doing. Let me, let me reach out. Turns out, he's actually a fantastic guy. 
And what turned out was happening is the company that was going to acquire us was going to fire everybody, everybody, and just take the technology and leave us behind. Oh, wow. And he said, I got to motivate these people. I got to kick them into gear fast. I've got to make them valuable. How do I do that fast? And I got to shock them. So he sure as hell shocked us. So he came out there and what happened was we did get purchased. It was $2 billion, not $1 billion. It was amazing. And a lot of people became you know, very, very wealthy. Wow. Some people then left. Yeah. And it would happen. But it was a completely different environment after that. You know, everybody felt kind of disposable. They were polarized. You know, you're on that side of the room. We're on this side of the room. You're the new guard. We're the old guard. We had a friendly company. You got this new, you know, this whole thing kind of came out. So I also decided a couple of things. I, I realized what did I like the most about what I was doing and how can I save my butt, right? I mean, really, in that room, that second, I said, what can I do immediately to make sure that I'm part of a team that stays and what do I want to do next? It's definitely so, survival time at that point. Oh, yeah, man. It's, uh, there's a great book. Um, oh, it's uh, Andreessen Horwitz. Um, Horwitz, Ben Horwitz. i, I got to remember the name of that. Um, the tough, oh, you know, all, the, all these uh, Silicon Valley startups, you know, he's, he's invested in that kind of thing. I'll find the name and I'll give it to you. Maybe you can give that to the folks. But he talks about, you know, peacetime CEO and being a peacetime leader and a wartime leader. And so it's almost like, you know, the godfather, like, you know, we're at war right now. So that's really the way this guy laid it out. And that's how I felt. We're at war. What do I do? I'm not going to fight my own people. I'm fighting for my survival right now. So what do I do corporate-wise, corporate survival? So I thought, what do I do well? What can I do immediately to improve myself? And I've got to succeed. I've just marketing and sales. I have to increase sales. And I dug in, and it took me a little while, and I said, you know what? I can tell stories really well. And we have a really technical product that we went out there and started talking about SS7 connections and T1 connections and this server to that server. And I just said, I'm stopping that. And for 60 days, I'm going with what I believe will work. And I went out and I spoke with companies and I told stories of their customers, what they would experience if they work with us, if they had this technology in place. And it worked. It worked really well. I mean, we went through a, a cycle. We increased our sales. I definitely stayed, saved my own keister at that company. And that, honestly, like I get a sigh of relief right now. <laughs> honestly, you're losing <laughs> that, telling that story, man. Um, so, I, so I did that. We survived. You know, we did get purchased. It was really an amazing time. Um, there were definitely some, you know, highs there. And then there was a huge low. I mean, the market crashed. All that, all that wealth that was created was gone. You know, the stock went from 81 to 4. Wow. Ended up losing all my money. And And so did did many people. So it was an amazing couple of years and then it was gone. So what did I do? I said, I just went through that whole ride. That was like a 10 year ride, you know, wealthy, lost it all, starting from scratch. So I'm going to do that again. You know what? I want to go back to when I was a kid. What I want to do when I was a kid. I wanted to be a storyteller. Well, hey, I am a storyteller. I'm just telling marketing and sales stories, right? And maybe I could, maybe this is the time I could take a shot. Let me move to, I was going to move to either to New York or to Hollywood. And I said, no, go for the real thing. Go for Hollywood. 
So I moved to Hollywood knowing nothing, knowing nobody out here. So, you know, I had a couple of, you know, back then it wasn't even Facebook, right? It was like Friendster or something like that and emails. And, you, know, you know, like, hey, I'm on Friendster. Do you know anybody in Los Angeles? So AOL dial-up with instant messages. AOL. Right. <laughs> That's right. You know, start chatting away. And who knows somebody in a chat room and, and, uh, but really, I did that, and I started this kind of lunch circuit. Like, I'll take anybody to lunch if you can tell me what Hollywood's like. What's a director do? What's a producer do? How do you act? What do, what do you, where do you start? And I started this whole journey, and that was 11 years ago. And, uh, you know, I figured it out pretty quickly because luckily the business background that I had was amazing training, right? You, you find contacts. You build trust. You know, you find, you know, for me, it was all about finding the team that I wanted to work with, find people that I want to work with, because this is now going to be, I'm starting from scratch. Let me do what I want to do and like to do rather than what I have to do. So, you know, build it out. And then within, I guess, within the first four years, I, I was on a few TV shows and a couple of movies, you know, like Ocean's 13. And, you know, I'm standing next to George Clooney and Brad Pitt and Al Pacino and, you know, I actually spoke with them. I mean, it was amazing, right? I'm mean, a kid from Pittsburgh. And, uh, and uh, you know, not that that's a, a small city or anything. It's an amazing place. But I just felt like uh, it just, just really is a whole other world. So I dove right in. And then I started missing some of the, um, you know, honestly, some of the um, kind of the, the process and organization that businesses have. Because Hollywood is a it, they always say it's the wild, wild west. And all that means is you have no idea. There's no real career track. There's no, you know, point A to point B. You know what I mean? I'm going to become a this. I'll become a manager, a director, a vice president. I'll be CEO one day. It doesn't really work like that out here. All these different paths. So I started saying, well, I love the creativity part. I love telling stories. I, I think I mentioned I, just, I produced a couple of films in that same time of in that first five years. Found a group of people. We put two films together, produced those, was in a couple, but, you know, and then in other, other movies and things like that. And I said, I, I found out I loved producing. I loved being behind the scenes, you know, kind of helping people, you know, moving pieces and parts around and, and project managing and raising funds. That kind of thing was amazing. Didn't love the acting part so much. And uh, I said, well, maybe I can do this instead of taking three years, which is how long a movie takes to make it at best. Right. Wow. At that. Yeah. Oh, it's a much longer process than you might, you know, imagine. You only see the end product. Looks like that. Eh, they knocked that out in six weeks. Well, you had to write it. You had to create it. You had to get the money for it. You have to get distribution. You have to do the marketing. I mean, it's, it's launching a product from scratch. Um, so anyway, so after after that, I said, you know, I love that process. I wonder if I could bring this to businesses. What if I could bring movies to business? That's a bizarre idea. This is like 2010, 11. And that's what I did. And it took a little while, some twists and turns, and all of a sudden now, you know, the main focus right now, you know, we're called Rip Media Group. And, you know, the main focus is we create and develop videos and do video marketing for companies. So companies like what I used to work for and companies as big as Cisco, which was the company that bought us. They're a customer. Comcast, Universal, NBC, they're a customer. Uh, proudly, you know, they're a customer. That's a media company as big as anything on earth. Absolutely. And they, you know, they work with us, you know, so it's been a very, very cool ride. Sorry, and, yes, and you're a short done, story. I just, I just went for 10 minutes, man. No, 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 <laughs> you're fine because there's so much in there that I think that uh, throughout our conversation today and for our audience, I think that we can definitely unpack that. I mean, you've done 
over 400 commercial videos. You've done I mean, you've done a lot when it comes to producing content. And I guess um, a question that kind of comes up is as a part of what we do here on the show that I would love to get your feedback on is. Over the decades, you've seen the media industry, especially when it comes to digital content change. You've seen the new entrances of technology. You obviously also were a part of a disruption and you've also seen disruptions as well. Where do you see um, digital content going in the next 15 to 20 years? Is there anything that you think is maybe on the horizon that right now we probably can't touch it, but you see some trends happening where you know, we're going to be in some new space. What, what do you think that might be? Love it. What, what a great question. So one of the things that I see, there's, there's, I'd say three places. One is personalization. Another one is interactivity. And another one is sort of gamification. So let me go into each of those because the first one is you. You know, you and the audience listening to this right now. So I think what's happening is, you know, one of the first changes is instead of having, you know, honestly, if you think about it, and by the way, we've done about a thousand commercials, but about 400 customers. So we've done a bunch of these kind of, you know, creating and finding out what's special about a brand, a company, a product, and then converting that into video and then, you know, telling the world. So, so what's that? So what's it? Let's look at the beginning, right? So it's 19, you know, 40s, right? No TV yet. And then, you know, kind of invented and who put out all the shows? Shows were created to deliver Tide, right? They were <laughs> created to deliver cars. You know, right. they were right. Shows were promo spots. You know, in between the commercials, that's who was paying for anything and still pays for everything. You had three channels, right? You know, CBS, NBC, ABC. I guess that's right. Back then, right? So the biggest disruption I see right now is there's not three channels. There are thousands. And when you look at YouTube, Hulu. Um, you know, Netflix, et cetera, there's literally thousands, you know, probably infinite number of tracts of interests that you can go in and find the content that matches your needs, your desires, your wants. As a consumer, it's amazing, right? Somebody's listening right now, they're interested in, you know, millennials or media or story, and they're listening to this and hopefully learning something new about it. Somebody else might have, you know, they want to learn about gardening. You know, you're, you're 1950, what are you going to learn about gardening? You're going to go get a book talk to your friends now there's about a million videos on youtube on how to you know grow an orange you know or whatever right. it might be exactly but you've got so much yeah so personalization is the, is the key so but not the one video or one commercial or one movie for you know a hundred million people people really want one video for them so what what we're doing to adapt is doing things like this, trying to, you know, speak with people like you that are really on the, you know, getting the word out there to, to niche audiences. But tell people that if you know your audience and you know your niche audience, speak directly to them. Wouldn't you rather have 10,000 buyers and interested buyers than a million people that think that cat video is really neat? You know, I'd rather be talking to the 10,000 people that can get something out of what we're doing and purchase from us. I'm going to give them value. They give me value. They give me, they give us dollars and a great relationship and we give them, you know, great video and commercials and product videos and so forth in return. It's a great exchange. Absolutely. That's the audience we want. Yeah. So, and what we're doing is instead of creating just one video for everybody, we've got a, it's hard to describe. And I've of course got a video on it. 
but we're creating the ability for people to create that that basic commercial they have, a website video. They can now alter it and mix it in with their mailing list in their CRM database and send a personalized video to every one of their customers. So Christopher, you get yours for Charlotte, you know, Carolina, and I get mine, you know, with the sunshine and no humidity in Los Angeles, California, and somebody in Montana gets theirs, and it's, you know, personalized for them. And it's, I think that's the future. So we're, we're actually investing in that, so personalization. Um, the next piece is interactivity. And millennials didn't grow up with a lean back audience. You know, we go to a movie theater, we kick back, we get our popcorn, we get our soda, you know, we relax and we, we watch the movie or we kick back on the couch. Like I, I, I'm guessing, you know, you're my age or you know, around there. You know, it's a lean back experience. Millennials, kids today, they're not used to that. They lean forward, they're using the screen, they're touching things, they're moving things around, they're playing games. So this That's whole, right. you know, you can't have a, yeah. So the, the flat video, the flat one way directional message, I think is going to be going down while interactivity and gamification is going to go way up. And two quick examples. One is, um, you know, you can see that, you know, I don't even know if you know this, but games like, you know, Halo and some of these things that are coming out from, you know, um, you know, from EA and all these, like, you know, computer games, you know, and uh, even apps, you know, people are playing with them, using them every single day. And it gives us a little dopamine release. Boom, boom, you did this. You scored a point. You got a game. You got a, a tag or a badge or whatever. We, we're addicted to that stuff. We're that's involved. Right. And yep. that's, yeah, right? So that's it. And I think millennials are going to drive that, and the younger generation are going to drive that even more. And um, oh, where was I going with the gamification? Oh, and just kind of exploring, you know, uh, you know basically, you know, new worlds and, you know, I've got a lot of that third bot spot, but I've been talking so much. I'm wondering if this is making sense <laughs> no, to you, agree? It, it actually does. And, and I will tell you that um, being somebody who, you know, enjoyed everything from an Atari to what, <laughs> what yeah. is available now, I will say to you that interactivity is definitely not only just changing gaming, I think it's changing everything people do. I mean, I'm, I'm interviewing somebody on an upcoming show that I, I like, can't wait to, you know, air that we've actually interviewed somebody who created they basically gamify talent engagement and so interesting it's a, yeah it's a really cool tool and we get to talk about it that's a promo for our next upcoming show but <laughs> it, it, it's it, to your point gaming and gamifi gamification is really kind of stretching beyond a kid holding a controller sitting in front of a tv right it's 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 oh, going yeah. it's going with you now you know, it's traveling with you. And I do believe that uh, millennials are a part of the, the first entrance of that wave that is happening. But I guess one of the things that you were talking about, I'm curious to understand from your perspective is how do you see digital content over the last 10 to 15 years being disrupted by millennials? Because I'm sure from your perspective, right, at, at one point, Digital content was one way probably 10 or 15 years ago. And the more that millennials started to be a part of that process and be more engaged in digital content, I'm sure you saw some changes and maybe even some disruptions. What kind of impacts has millennials had on digital content from your perspective? Massive. 
massive. I, uh, you know, can't say from the, you know, basically these guys are now the creators and the consumers, right? Um, but there's there's some big changes. So a couple that come to mind right now, and just think back ten years ago, because in some areas, some technology areas, you know, this last ten years has been, you know, just a, a growth curve, you know, to the roof. And think about what's coming next, by the way, with artificial intelligence and, you know, VR and AR, augmented reality, virtual reality. That was kind of the next thing I was going to talk about. But, you know, this next 10 years is going to be amazing. But let's look at let's look back 10 years ago. All right. It's night. It's 2007. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of building a relationship with a, a company that just means maybe I'm going to buy something from them. Right. So what is it? They're going to tell me about the you know product they're going to try to sell me close it pretty quick they're going to send me information to read they're going to go to this website page and read i'm going to make the decision probably pretty solo because there's not really you know linkedin isn't built out i don't have a whole social network or you know any kind of real connectivity to a whole bunch of people that are in my space that i can talk to maybe at a convention once a year maybe at those you know kind of local meetings that kind of thing but it's basically a solo experience. The, 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 you know, they're going to, as, as a brand, they're going to try to maintain that relationship, you know, kind of, you know, get, get me to buy and maintain. Maybe I'll buy again and then hopefully repeat if necessary. Well, today, I think with millennials and the new technology mixed in, here's the whole difference. In my, in my view is it's not tell me. It's make me feel something. Millennials are, are, are and this is a really interesting subject, Millennials grew up with so many different things than, than the rest of us, you know, that are older, you know, and, and we can get into this in a second. I'll say they want to feel something. They want to experience something. They want to have purpose, right? They want to have see that the company they're buying from has purpose. I mean, look at the huge brands like McDonald's is not growing like it used to, but local breweries, you know, local shops and organic shops, they are because millennials care about that. And, you know, I think some, in some areas it's really fantastic, but it's, it's a feel, it's an experience. Um, they're going to want to view, you know, we don't have, you know, 10 minutes, 15, 20, you're take an hour and read my white paper, said 2007 <laughs> company, right? Right. right. <laughs> Not a chance. You know, it's, let me send you a 90 second video, <clears throat> excuse me, hopefully that my company made, um, you know, so that you can understand what we do and what the value is. So they want to view. And then they want to share it. If it's good, a millennial is going to share the information, and they're going to get information from their friends. And then the customer is maintaining the relationship. They need to nurture, educate, and grow that relationship. So it's much, much tighter. It's, it's, this whole, the whole millennial movement, or the whole millennial age group, growing up the way they did, has changed you know, marketing, uh, you know, branding, companies, products, everything. I think it's been uh, a tremendous change in the past 10 years. As you can hear in this interview, this is a pretty fascinating interview. Here's a gentleman who has done a lot of incredible things, who has uh, seen a lot in just a short order of time. And more importantly, he's now reinvented himself inside of Rip Media. And the things that they're able to do is just amazing. Hold tight. I know you're like, please, why are we pausing? Well, we have to. <laughs> um, we don't want to make these interviews way too long. However, you know, as usual, we're consistent. In two days, you will get part two of my interview with the CEO of Rip Media. That is Mari Regal. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please share this episode. Tell us what you like about it. We would love to hear from you on social media. Uh, reach out to 
to, to Mari as well and tell him what you think about his interview. You can do that through social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at High Level Wisdom. Go to our website, highlevelwisdom.com. Share your thoughts, your ideas, your insights. If you want more information on anything, we would love to be able to continue to connect with you as our audience. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode. Now, what could possibly Harvard University, Ben & Jerry's, Black & Decker, Cisco, and Accenture, and companies like Comcast all have in common? Well, they're learning how to tell better stories with their brand, and they're using a company called Rip Media Group. If you want to know how to tell a better story and telling your brand to really reach your target market, give Rip Media Group a call for a free consultation. That's 1-888-899-8910. 1-888-899-8910 for your free consultation.